to Ghost Volleyball Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bemke. This week's podcast takes place with Bill M. Wally. Bill had a successful collegiate career at Long Beach State where he was a member of the 1970 NCAA Men's Championship runner-up team that finished second to the UCLA Bruins. Upon graduation, he made his way onto the beach and competed professionally in many of the beach opens up and down the California coast where he won four Opens during his career. After completing his playing career, Bill went on to have a successful coaching career, primarily with the Menlo College Women's Program for the Lady Oaks, where over his 10-year career, he ultimately won five conference championships and was named the Conference Coach of the Year four times. With that being said, let's get started with our interview with Bill. Let's start at the beginning, Bill. Um, tell us a bit about where uh, where you're from, how you got involved with the sport, all those things. Well, let's see. I was born and raised in uh, San Jose, California. And um, my parents were foolish enough to buy me a car when I was like 16, 17 years old. And I spent every summer, I think 16, 17, yeah, 16, 17, maybe 18 years old. Every summer, I just drove over the over the hill to uh, Santa Cruz, and uh, and uh, being being bored at the beach, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff to do at the beach in those days. And I noticed these guys were playing volleyball. I really know too much about volleyball at that time. I was a I was a pretty decent high school basketball player, and so I I got involved with. With these guys about the same about my same age, and and it was a nice group of guys that, that lived in Santa Cruz, and uh, they had a ball and court, and we uh, we all kind of learned together. So there wasn't a type of thing where we we went we went to some place, and all these guys were really really good, and we just got killed off the court, and maybe played one game a day at, at Santa Cruz at, at uh, I think it was called Fresno Beach because a lot of the kids. Spent their summers from Fresno at the beach, and they had a, and we we all played together, so we could play play all day, and that's uh, that's how I started in volleyball. And I I really enjoyed playing it because it was it was like basketball, but uh, you did the same kind of skills, jumping and 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 things like that. And so I just got I got involved in Santa Cruz. So Santa Cruz was always a special special place to me. Yeah, in my volleyball. Uh, <laughs> Acumen. Right, and now, out of curiosity for the car aficionados out there, what kind of vehicle was that that you were driving to and from uh, the beach every day? Do you remember? It was a 1956 Chevy. There you go. Yeah, it had 
every time I was extremely lucky. Right, you knew it was going to be a good day. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, just you know, San Jose got pretty hot during the during the summertime, but then you just you know you just drove over the hill and hoped it wasn't you know fogged in. But at that age, you didn't care if it was foggy or not. You just went to the beach anyway and uh, and played. Uh, not long after that, then it, it sounds like you made your way uh, south to uh, Long Beach State, became a Forty Niner. Uh, yeah. On that first inaugural uh, inaugural NCAA men's volleyball season, so tell us uh, about that. You guys made it all the way to the championship match where you competed against uh, UCLA, and uh, what you recall about your ex- experience as a Forty Nine there in Long Beach State. Well, I was really, really lucky. I, <laughs> I I got to Long Beach State, and we went down to uh, me and my roommate. And we went down to down to Belmont Shore. I don't know if you're familiar with Belmont Shore, but that's the beach, one of the beaches by in Long Beach. And uh, we were playing, we were playing volleyball, and uh, we was a challenge court, and 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 and, the, and one of the guys who was playing on this challenge court was uh, a gentleman by the name of Randy Sandifer, who was the volleyball coach at, at uh, Long Beach State. And uh, he was gracious enough to uh, to say that you know they were just gonna they were just starting the program at Long Beach, and uh, and would I like to come out and uh, try out for the for the team? This was probably 60, 68, I think. I think it was sixty eight. So I was very fortunate enough to for him to give me a chance to come out and, and play for uh, play for the team, and um, and that, that's where I met uh, Buzz. Buzz was on the team, Buzz Schwartz, uh, Matt Gage was on the team, and uh, so that's that's where I got started at Long Beach State. Uh, Matt, Matt I had met because I didn't know anybody at Long Beach, it was just, I, you know, I'm from Northern California, so I went to school at Long Beach, and, I, and they were having a fraternity rush, so I figured, ah, oh, this is a good way to meet people, so one of the, one of the people I met it was Matt Gage at this fraternity deal, and uh, he was in the fraternity, and uh, and I ended up joining that fraternity. So that was kind of kind of uh, interesting how we how we uh, got together at uh, at Long Beach. Wow, what an interesting crew that uh, the nine hundred two five royalty there, Captain Buzzard, and and then uh, Gage, and and then uh, you meeting up with them through the fraternity, and then through volleyball. It's I always find that fascinating how three of these great players. <laughs> Just kind of oh, hit it and, off and, there, and, and, and at the time, you know, Buzz was way Buzz was Buzz was like our idol. I mean, Buzz was an idol to us. But Matt and I were about probably we were probably about the same level. You know, we were we were you know we knew we could play, but I mean, we were Buzz Buzz was a couple of levels above us. But when we were playing in Long Beach, that's for sure. Buzz was, Buzz had already played you know a lot of tournaments on the beach. I think Buzz probably might have been double A or triple A at that time. And you know, but uh, but I mean, Buzz, <laughs> Buzz, Buzz was our idol at that time. And and then subsequent to uh, the next year in '70, the team that we went to the finals against UCLA, we had we had four AAA guys, four eventual AAA guys on the team. We had uh, Rich Milky, who was AAA at one time. We had Gordy Mahan, who was AAA. We had myself. And Dodge Parker, the late, the late Dodge Parker, the late great Dodge Parker. So all four of us ended up being AAA on the beach. But at the but at the but at the time, you know, we were all 
were all playing together at Long Beach State, and we were, you know, we, I look at the guys now who are playing in the finals. I mean, these guys are gigantic, and we, we were, we were, UCLA was much better than we were, but we were scrappy as hell. Because <laughs> we were, we had four guys who played on the beach, you know, we were, we were very good defensively, we passed really well. We just didn't have the firepower that uh, UCLA had at the time. And, uh, and, and Randy Sanford was our coach. And then, you know, Skates, Al Skates was a coach at UCLA. And uh, he, he was a great, he's a great coach, obviously. Yeah, he sure is. Uh, one of the greatest, not just in volleyball, but any sport ever. Um, I've heard that Parker was just uh, a, a, an unbelievable, uh, impeccable setter. That must have been pretty oh. neat to have oh. been able to swing away at some of his sweet sets, huh? Uh, he was, well, we, Dodge was unbelievable. And he was, I think Dodge was only a freshman or a sophomore at that time. So, no, he was, he had hands of gold. And the other said, I don't know if you're familiar with Rich Milkey, but he was a AAA player. And Rich was our other center, and he was, he had beautiful hands too. So, I mean, <laughs> we had, and I was a, you know, our guys were, we were not very tall. I mean, I'm six foot, Gordy Mahan's maybe six foot, you know, and, and, and uh, so, I mean, we had, uh, it wasn't, we didn't lose because of the setters, let me put it to you that way. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the setting that, that cost us the NCAA uh, championship, That's, that was for sure. I think UCLA at the time had uh, Kirk Kilgore, Dane Holtzman, Eddie Becker, uh, uh, Machado was their setter. I mean, they, they had a really good team, a really good team. I mean, we were, we had beaten them the week before. In the regionals, at the, at the at the regionals, we beat them at the regionals, and, the, and it was at our gym, and we beat them. So that that qualified us for the NC2As, and then the of course the NC2As were in Paula Pavilion. <laughs> Gee, I wonder how that happened. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if you can believe it, you know they've redone Paula Pavilion. Paula Pavilion was brand new when we played in there, but it was, um, it, was it was UCLA, Long Beach, Santa Barbara. And I want to say either Ohio State or Ball State was the other team, and I I, I, I can't remember which one it was. It might have it might have been Ohio State because Doug Neal was playing for Ohio State at the time. I think it was Ball State, if my memory serves me right, and I just pulled it up here online. So, but yeah, um, nonetheless, um, I've always heard the stories that uh, were there. Was there? And did you ever see a player at Pauly hit a ball into the uh, the old scoreboard there? Um, I know they raised it up higher in the new one now, but. I've heard rumors that Kilgore, uh, during warm-ups, uh, hitting lines, that he could uh, bounce them up into the uh, into the uh, uh, scoreboard. Or uh, so when you guys played there, what for during warm-ups? Do you recall him getting or anyone getting anywhere close to that? You know, I don't remember. But if I mean, besides you, been, Bill, it would have been Kirk Kilgore. Nobody on our team was going to do it, but. But, uh, but Kurt was one heck of a hitter, yes. He was about, you know, he was probably 6'5", six, 6'5", five, six, five, nice long arms, and he, he, he beat the hell out of the ball. I, um, I've heard the stories. If there's a rumor that he did it, he probably did. Yeah, there was, uh, you know, some of the guys that were from your era on the old school group uh, Facebook site um, put that up one day where they were, you know, inquiring about it. And I asked Coach Skates, and he goes, I don't know, Scott, I was never out there for warm-ups. 
he was working. <laughs> he was working on his uh, analytics and and uh, whatever he was doing to game plan. So he let them swing away. He didn't see that part of it. So, but that must have been a pretty neat season, though, to be playing with a couple of your good buddies and uh, working your way to the finals, even though you you didn't win, but still a pretty good story and pretty good season, huh? That was uh, it's fabulous. We had we had a lot of we had a lot of fun. This was before, you know, uh, travel, travel uh, in in, uh, in buses or whatever. I remember going to uh, play at uh, UC Santa Barbara, and we took we took uh, God, we took Rich Milky's van, Coach <laughs> Sanford's van, up to play at uh, UCSB at the infamous Rob Jim a, a, a tournament the next day, and <laughs> I remember sleeping in Carpinteria State Beach. <laughs> after the match. <laughs> oh my goodness. So so it wasn't it was, we weren't we weren't in the Hampton Hotel, let me put it to you that way. You know, we were we, we did we didn't have a whole lot of Hampton hotels or, or Marriott's or anything. We were we were sleeping on the beach. Right. Yeah, I heard uh that happened to, with a lot of players from that day and age. Yeah, it wasn't you know, I don't know what the uh what the uh Athletic department's uh, stipend was for, for for varsity volleyball Long Beach, but it could it couldn't have been it couldn't have been too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to ask you is that uh, that Dane Holtzman, you know Bernie's son. Uh, from yeah. what when I speak with Von Hagen and some of the other players that watched him play, he was only the, playing indoors and on the beach for a short while before he he turned Hari Krishna. But I believe he was the most outstanding player uh, of that um, championship weekend that you guys competed. And what do you recall about him as a player and what uh, made him so outstanding, Bill? Well, the first time I ever remember, I, I didn't know him. And, and I remember going to, uh, you know, one of these weekend tournaments that we'd all play, you know, UCLA, Long Beach, whoever. And I remember this guy with these big ankle weights on his, on his legs. And, uh, and it was like, who the heck is that guy wearing these giant ankle weights, you know, during, during the, during the tournament? And it was, turned out it was Dane Olson. And he was one heck of a player. Oh, let me just tell you that. He was, he, he was he was one of the centers on the team, but in, back in those days, the centers we centers hit. You know, they played a six-two, so the centers hit. And he was he, he was a great defensive player, had great hands, and was a really good hitter. So I mean, yeah, he deserved he deserved the uh, most outstanding player at the, at the nineteen seventy uh, NC two A's. He was uh, he, he was really good. I, and I I played I played him. Once or twice on the beach on my, in my early years, I remember playing him in, in, in Butch May at Santa Cruz. This had to be 68 or 69. And he just was really good. Did everything really well. And I remember, remember playing him and Eddie Becker at, at Marine Street one year too. And, you know, he was, <laughs> Eddie Becker, Eddie Becker is one of the best hitters I've ever seen in my life. He was a very good friend, but Eddie couldn't set a lick. And Dean Holson was just hitting balls from everywhere, you know, and he, he wasn't that, you know, he's probably maybe my height or maybe a little bit taller, but not much. And he was, he was an outstanding player. It was just, he was just, I mean, there's no telling. I mean, obviously he went into the Hare Krishna, which is, which was great. He, you know, he's been a famous guy in the Hare Krishna, but I mean, what he would have done on the beach had he not done that is, 
is up for up for grabs. He could have been probably not one of the best or the best beach player there was. Yeah, he came from good stock, and from by all accounts, yeah. he was really you know upward trajectory as far as his talent went until he showed up down there at in San Diego uh, for that tournament in Tobanag, and he, he couldn't play, uh, which is still one of my favorite stories. Oh, no, that's a, that's a great story. And, and Fred, just, Fred, probably, Fred was very happy about that. Yeah, that worked out real well for Fred. He got his AAA yeah. rating that weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's uh, Fred. Fred was the beneficiary of that. Yeah, Fred's a great storyteller, too, when he tells that story. I recently interviewed George Stepanoff, too, and he talked about that weekend because he played matchmaker. Uh, he told Von Hagen, hey, there's this younger kid down here that's going to college and plays on the beach here a bit, and he's pretty good, and he's not playing today, so maybe you should play with him. And Von Hagen says, so this kind of kid with shoulder-length hair and this, this <laughs> necklace, puka shell necklace or whatever he was wearing, comes over, and, you know, he was kind of skeptical, but. He said he turned out to be pretty good, so that was a great story, one of my favorites. Yeah, no, we, we played, you know, Fred played at San Diego State, so we played against Fred in college, played against, uh, you know, and, and uh, John Lee was playing at Santa Barbara at the same time, you know, and Dave Soji was the setter on the on the Santa Barbara team when I was playing, so I mean, you know, we, we, had all, we, had, we, knew those, we knew a lot of these guys because they played each other in college all that time, and then, you know, then in the summertime, all of a sudden, we'd you know, we'd all see each other on the beach. You mentioned Ed Becker. I know, uh, I think I've read that he was a really good uh, sand or beach fours player. Does that ring oh, a bell at all with God. you? Like he, like they had, there was some, I don't know, sand and sea or one of those beach clubs had one of those type of teams and those guys just would destroy teams that they were that Eddie, good. Eddie, Eddie Becker was the best four man, six man hitter I've ever played with. If you notice, on, I, sent, I think I sent you one of the pictures of one of us, one of the teams I was on that won the Manhattan Six Man. And of course, Eddie, Eddie Becker was on that team. Eddie Becker was, <laughs> he was a phenomenal four man or six man. He used to, here's a good story. He, he used to, and he'd, he'd hang out at, at Laguna. Every once in a while, Eddie would come down to Laguna and play. And when I was living in Laguna Beach. And, and, uh, so he would, he would give me a call. Every once in a while, and say, um, "Hey, Wilt, Wilt, uh, Wilt got his four guys playing, and they they want to, and the Jonathan to go up to we go up to the Jonathan Club, which is Santa Monica, and so and so Eddie said, "Hey, we got a match against Wilt. Can you play?" And I go, "Yeah, sure." So we would drive up to uh, to the Jonathan Club in Santa Monica, and Wilt would have his his three other guys and. I can't remember Daryl Ruka and, and maybe Rundle and maybe a couple other guys. And we would have Becker, myself. I remember playing Sinjin, young Sinjin. Wow. And, uh, and I can't think of and somebody else. And we would go up and play, play Wilt. And the Jonathan members would, would back, back our team. And so we would go up there and they would have lunch or dinner or whatever. And, uh, and they would, and they would uh, bet against Wilt, and it was it was it was it was so much fun. It was so much fun, and and Wilt never made a mistake, but they would lose. <laughs> yeah, and Wilt did everything perfectly, right? Yeah, I mean Wilt's a great guy, but I mean he, he, would, he would he would never lose. But Eddie Becker was anytime you wanted to play to have a form of four man or six man team, Eddie Be Eddie Becker was the first choice, absolutely. 
first choice. And he was he was a great indoor player at UCLA. Really. And I think I think he was he was triple A too. He was triple A on the beach for for a short time. I don't yeah, you, know, you know, I think him and Dane played a few tournaments together, but but Eddie Becker on my list is uh, wow. He he was unbelievably good. Yeah, that's what I've heard and read about in uh, the Sands of Time. So it's cool to get a perspective from someone who was actually there. And you guys beat them too, huh? We would we beat them more times than they beat us. <coughs> you know, and then the the members at the Johnson Club would maybe you know slip us twenty or twenty five bucks. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and those seats, we thought, oh my god, we're, this is great. Right. <laughs> you, know? you get used okay, to that yeah. real quick. Um, were there any other players from your college? Uh, era that, you know, stood out that you want to make mention of that were pretty talented players? Uh, there was a, there was our best hitter in, in those two years that I played there was a guy named Craig Crowley. And he was an outstanding, outstanding hitter for us at Long Beach State. He was, he was, uh, he was really good. He, he was probably, and again, you know, height-wise, you know, again, we, we were, he, Craig was probably six three maybe, but had a, one of the best arm swings I've ever seen. I mean, he was just—he was—he was by far our best player in hitting wise. I mean, he was phenomenal. But um, and then we had a, we had a, a our middle blocker was was Scott Johnson, a guy named Scott Johnson. He was like six <laughs> four. And those are the days. I mean, these are these are you know nineteen seventy. We had to send guys. I think sixty nine. We had to send guys to Mexico. You'll love this. To Mech to Tijuana to get Adidas shoes, tennis shoes, because they weren't being sold in the United States at the time. Jeez. Yeah. And I just remember Scott Johnson wearing these low cut blue tennis shoes that you probably got, you know, like at a Walmart. It wasn't a Walmart back then, but some some discount place. He wore these blue tennis shoes that had no support or anything, and he's out there playing, playing great, you know, but, uh, yeah, yeah, you couldn't get Adidas tennis shoes uh, back in those days in the states. I think I think in seventy or seventy one. Then then they had a place, an outlet in uh, some place in uh, in Los Angeles that we got them. But I remember we had to send somebody down to Tijuana to get uh, to get Adidas shoes. Jeez, yeah, I bet you guys had some fun stories. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you what was the frat life living with Matt Gage. I just couldn't see him in a fraternity because he's a, such a nice kind of. Smooth fellow, and then when I think of like fraternities, I think of you know the Delta House and Animal House, and I just don't yeah, see Gage yeah, yeah. fitting in that environment too much. Well, we were uh, our fraternity was Theta Chi, <coughs> pretty good national uh, fraternity, and Matt was uh, Matt and I roomed together for in the in the house for a while. And uh, here's another thing that that's interesting: uh, one of our one of our fraternity brothers. Was a guy named Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I think uh, he made a bunch of those B hack movies, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah Spielberg. Know, I mean, he didn't hang around much, you know? He didn't hang around much with our fraternity. If we were smart, we would have carried his, his briefcase or his papers or his, or right. his and all of his school equipment to every one of his classes. But that, I think he went in the fraternity with Matt about the same year. But uh, no, Matt was. Matt. Matt was uh, Matt was great. He was he was a funny guy. Give Matt a few beers, and he's he's hilarious. Oh boy, yeah. Well, um, I'll remember that if I get a chance to to uh, see him again someday. So um, yeah, he, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, 
he's a funny guy. He's yeah. a funny guy. You know, give him out a few few beers, and uh, he's old. He's old. He turns into the life of the party. Oh boy! All right. Well, this is some good stuff to have. I'm taking notes right now. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Well, so moving along, uh, Long Beach State, you move on to the beach um, that summer um, after you guys finished second in the NCAA championship. You and your your uh, frat brother and and uh, teammate for the 49ers played in the state beach open, and I believe you took a fourth um, according to beach volleyball database. So tell us what it was like playing on the beach during that golden era against all those legends. I mean, guys like Valalay was out there that summer, Von Hagen, Gene Fluger, the infamous uh, character, Crown Prince of Volleyball, Bob Vogel saying, tell us about that tournament. Were there any matches, points, uh, things that occurred that you just go, wow, that was a pretty amazing weekend for us. Yeah, well, we were, let's see, Matt and I were, yeah, we were double A at the time. And uh, so I think it was one of the last tournaments of the, of the 1970 summer, and it was it was Gene's tournament. And I remember remember parking in the state. I don't know if you ever been to State Beach, but the parking lot's right there, right with that infamous uh, office phone booth there, where Gene was getting yeah, phone calls all the time. Exactly. So so we we go over there, pairing money, and and Gene has got like a uh, a paper bag, like a big paper bag, and he's just all. <laughs> he's doing all the teams on the paper bag. He didn't have a board or anything. He's got him on a, like a paper bag, and, he, and he's doing all the seating and everything. So, uh, so that, that's that's typical game. But um, I remember uh, Matt and I playing. Uh, who did we, we played Vogie, and God, who was Vogie playing with? I can't. It might have been. Uh, I can't remember who Vogie was playing with. But we played them in the in the quarterfinals of the winners bracket, and uh, Matt. I don't know if Matt's ever told you this. He couldn't stand playing uh, Vogie. He couldn't stand playing Vogie. It just he just didn't like you know. Matt was a serious guy on the, on on the, on the uh, courts. I mean, he he was very serious, and he just couldn't take you know Vogie you know calling the timeouts, bathroom breaks, you know, guessing where that ball was. You know, he Matt just couldn't stand. It. And, uh, I think uh, he was playing, playing with Fluger, according to the database. So, but um, okay, he might have been playing with Gene. I don't remember. But but Matt was just he he he, was, he just did not. Any time we ever played Vogie, Matt did not like it. But um, so I think they beat us. They beat us, and then we played. God, we might have played Jimmy Mingus and Randy Niles for fourth place. I think. I think we we played. I think I kind of remember playing Jimmy. And Randy Niles in for like fourth place in that tournament, and or you know or to get to fourth, yeah. And then I, then we lost to uh, to Gene and and Keith Erickson. <laughs> that that, but uh, but that, I think Von Hagen. I think Von Hagen was playing with Henry Bergman at, in that tournament. Okay. And and um, but that was fun. That was a fun tournament. We were pretty. I mean, we were pretty excited when we got uh, fourth place. I mean that was that was the that was the culmination of that summer. That's for sure. But yeah. uh, I think I think I told you one. I mean Keith Erickson, and, and this is when he was still playing basketball. I mean he's playing for the Suns. He wasn't playing for the Lakers. And he's playing for the Phoenix Suns. What a what a specimen of a of an athlete. He was like I don't know. He was six five, maybe maybe six six, and you didn't even want to get the ball near him because he he didn't he didn't hit. He didn't spike the ball with topspin. He hit balls that knuckled at you, and he was—he hit it hard too. And 
and and he took up you know Gene was probably I don't know Gene was probably in his middle forties maybe and and uh, I mean he set the ball perfect for Gene Gene would bump it and Erickson would take a lot of the court it was I mean he was a scary guy to play I'm glad I only played him once. Yeah, Von Hagen always said if I would have seen Ernie Sawara or Erickson or Gene in his prime hit of volleyball, he said there was nothing like it. So that's a pretty neat story to, even though Gene was, you know, getting up there in age, to say you at least competed against him, that's a pretty cool story. Oh, yeah, well, they had, they had you know, Gene had all his cronies, you know, right next to the court. <laughs> they were, the one guy was kind of broadcasting it on some sort of portable uh, speaker and stuff, and, and and Matt would serve these really good serves at Gene. And Gene would take them overhand. <laughs> Matt, Matt, was, Matt was kind of going nuts because, you know, it was only, he, he like, you know, he was basically slow. Because he wasn't a good, because he, he learned, he played volleyball when you didn't pass. You know, you didn't bump, you didn't bump the ball. You took everything overhand. Right. And Matt, was getting, Matt was getting a little, Matt was getting a little testy about, but about, uh, you know, and, the, and, the, and I don't forget who was repping, but probably, you know, then they're not going to call it on Gene. It's his beach, for God's sake. They're not going to call it anything. And, and, and Matt and I are going, you know, we just say, hey, let's just shut up and play because we're not going <laughs> to get any help here, that's for sure. And then when uh, I heard uh, Gene's other famous move was that uh, he'd always, like, throw a tournament like that, but then he'd, like, have, like, an old trophy in his, like, trunk, and he'd take the main plate yeah. off and give them out yeah. to people. That's, that's, that's a true story. That's a true story. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good stuff. I love it. Yeah. He, he, was, he was a legend. I mean, he was a legend. Even, you know, even in his middle 40s, he could still play. God damn, could he play? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some video footage that I found online recently that's uh, like of him and Bernie playing and and um, it's, yeah, he was everything they said and then some. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he, was, he, was a, he was a good guy. Now, when you and Gage played together, uh, Matt remembers you as being extremely tough and competitive by nature. He also said metaphorically you used to whip him like a horse out there. <laughs> So, well, explain on-court personality and what meant uh, Matt by that endearing uh, frat brother horse <laughs> comment. <laughs> well, I, 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 well, here's here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing. It, we would be warming up. You know, we'd be warming up for a tournament. You know, you know how you warm up. And I'd be hitting the ball straight down as hard as I could. I mean, I would be, I would hit the ball so hard in warm-ups. And Matt's over there hitting them off the tape. But who got every serve? I did. <laughs> it didn't make any difference if Matt was hitting them off the tape because I'd get every serve anyway. And uh, sometimes I just, you know, I got to the point where, you know, if they ever served Matt, I expected it, you know, I expected the ball to go down. Every time Every time they served Matt, that was a side out in my mind. Every time they served me, well, it was, I, I could have screwed up. So occasionally, uh, sometimes I would get a little frustrated. <laughs> and, uh, and some, unfortunately, some of those times take my frustration out of poor Matt. And uh, he, he, he was a bigger man than I was, let me tell you that. He would go in one ear and out the other? He wouldn't let it get to him? Well, he, 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 got, he would get a little upset every once in a while. But, uh, <laughs> but, that's, but that's, I, I remember it uh, at Manhattan. Well, the, again, the, the, the Manhattan Beach opened in 71. So we... 
we tied Laguna the week before with uh, Clem and Rundle. So Matt and I went with my parents to Lake Tahoe for, for a week to play golf and just have some fun. So then we come down to the Manhattan Open to play the next weekend. And, um, and first of all, we, we ended up losing the Laguna Beach tournament before, before the Manhattan even started. So I was already kicked off. And, uh, and then we, I think we lost in the first or second round of, of, of the Manhattan Open on Saturday. And, and that, that sent me over the edge. And, uh, <laughs> which it shouldn't have, but it did. And, uh, so I think I, uh, Matt and I were not getting along at that point. And then in Sunday, we came, we came all the way through the losers bracket and ended up getting, uh, third. Lost to, uh, Von Hagen and uh, Bergman in the finals of the of the losers bracket, and uh, Matt got sportsman sportsman of the tournament, sportsmanship of the tournament, and I think <laughs> sportsman the, of the, the tournament. Reason, <laughs> the reason he got that because he played with me for two days <laughs> <laughs> for not for not killing you or walking off the court <laughs> for not killing you or walking off the court <laughs> for just tolerating me for two days. Yeah, I believe he got, it. He got sportsmanship. Of the tournament, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. I and that was that was not my that was not my best uh, my best uh, uh, two days. That's for uh, for sure. It was not my best two days. But Matt, Matt was just Matt was Matt. He's just very calm and uh, collected, and uh, you know, just <laughs> he, probably, he probably wanted to kill me, but he, but, he, but luckily he did. Yeah, Von Hagen said that about Gage. I mean, for me, I never got a chance to see him. I, I, you know, I recall him from the late '80s when I learned the sport as the tournament director, and you know, being there's yeah. little or no footage from when you guys played. Unfortunately, uh, you know, when guys like Von Hagen tell me how good Gage was, especially, um, you know, that he just could put the ball away wherever he wanted, and he was a great digger and a phenomenal hand setter, and just as smooth as glass player. So uh, it's kind of neat to, to actually hear these things uh, about him. So it sounds like he handled himself on the court just like he did as a tournament director. Uh, low profile and just immaculately and smooth. And next thing you know, it's, it was a, he, he's, he, he's got you beat and you're like, how'd that all happen? So. Yeah, he was, a, he was a phenomenal player. He was, he was really, really, really a good player. I mean, he, he passed probably, I mean, if you took the, you know, the, the best passers on the beach, I would put him and Rundle one and two, and then you could switch either position. Matt was an incredible bump setter. The ball, the ball came on, he passed the ball unbelievably well. I, I hardly ever remember Matt shanking it. If somebody served to him, and he would shank it, no way. He passed the ball absolutely perfect. He had a great cut shot, and he had, you know, Matt, Matt would all, you know, we'd be at a party or something and Matt's bragging how high he jumps or whatever. And we'd all go, Matt, you're the only guy that's got pockets in his knees because your arms are so fucking long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was, you know, Matt's, Matt's probably six too, but he's got, you know, he's got such long arms that were unbelievable. I mean, he, the leverage he used to get with those arms were just phenomenal. You know, he, he'd always say what a leaper he was and we would, we would say, Matt, no, Matt, you have extremely long arms for how tall you are. You got those monkey arms, Gage, not a jump, it's arms. Yeah, I mean, before he got hit, you know, with the rider syndrome, he, he jumped pretty well, but I mean, he just really had long arms, and he could pound, he could pound the 
the ball. Before he, you know, when I played with him like in 71 and stuff, he just pounded the ball. He didn't hit it. He hit it hard, but because he had a nice long arm, he would hit the ball down. So, he, you know, guys would be ready to dig him, and he'd hit the ball in front of him. He bounced it in front of him. Yeah, I heard he had a and real he went, quick, uh, like, just fast snap for, on his arm. And, uh, yes. Just Absolutely. real smooth delivery. It was it was one of those special arm swings and wrist snaps, from what I was told. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He was <laughs> he was he was a, he was very very fine. You know, I don't know how many he won twenty six or twenty eight tournaments. I think it was twenty eight. Yeah, twenty eight. Well, he certainly didn't need me for. I mean, I got four of those with him, but he didn't, he certainly didn't need me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he won twenty eight. He won four. I was I was lucky to be his partner for four of them, and you know the other uh, the other twenty four uh, he didn't he, he didn't need me that's for sure. Well, you know what he did need you for. He uh, mentioned to me when I was doing my research for this interview that he believes you, um, along with Captain Buzzard Swartz uh, and Jim Mengus, were the three best shot makers on the beach in that era. So let's hear about your uh, infamous shots that got you listed in Gage's <laughs> top three here, Bill. Well, that's very nice of Matt to say that. Um, I learned I learned all my shots from Buzz. I mean, I have to give Buzz credit. Every shot that I have, I learned from getting my or, or my butt kicked from Buzz <laughs> down at down at down at here. Matt and I were A's or double A's, and we would go down. This is when Buzz was, the, you know, ran the ran the Hermosa Pier. And we would go down and play Buzz and whoever his <laughs> whoever his partner was at for the next weekend in the open. And and Buzz would just shoot us to death. And I'm just going, oh, the ball's five feet back, and we can't pick the ball up from Buzz because Buzz had cut shots and you know and, and spinners in front of you and deep dinks and all that stuff. And so I so I said, you know, I, I'm learning from the best. So I, I give Buzz. All the credit in the world for for any of my shots, but uh, I, I had some good shots. But I guarantee you, they were uh, they were all Buzz Sports shots. I mean, I, I took liberty and, and did Buzz. But I had, a, you know, if 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 one of if I dug a ball, there was a real good chance that we were going to get the point because if Matt didn't set it right up of the net, then I had a cut shot and a you know a roller in front, you know. Uh, balls that, are, that you shoot over the opponent's head deep. So that, I mean, those are my shots. But, but uh, you know, I just I had just had a lot of different little cut shots and wrist shots and stuff. But again, I learned them all from Buzz. When uh, I had the opportunity to interview Buzz, I asked him about those shots that he had. And um, I guess, uh, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't tell the difference when he dinked if it was going to be shorter or it was going to be placed precision like, on the back line, and he could do it without error, which is uh, kind of cool. And then he had his infamous cobra, cobra shot that he was telling me about. So, <laughs> does that ring a bell at all? <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. That, and the, you know, and the courts were a little bit bigger than they are, you know, today. You know, the courts are a little bit bigger, so there was a little bit more room to maneuver the ball. You know, there was a little bit, little bit easier to maneuver the ball. I mean, but yeah, Buzz, Buzz. You know, Jimmy. Jimmy had the same. Jimmy had a great cut shot from the left side. I mean, he had a he had a great cut shot. Every time he was off the net, and I'm playing the left, I would run for the cut shot, 
and then the whole middle part of the court was wide open if he hit it. You know, so, so I mean, uh, Jimmy had, and he does, and Jim dug so many balls that, you know, he had, he had incredible shots, really good shots. Now, when you were learning all that from, uh, from Buzz there in, in the South Bay, um, did he ever, after he kicked your ass, treat you to a nice slice of Perry's pizza there? Oh, yeah. Perry's pizza was good. Yeah, that's right. He just went down to Perry's pizza and got a, got a slice and a Coke. Yeah, I, that's I love that when he had that that sponsorship there <laughs> uh, for a couple of years, and there's actually a photo of him cr- hitting a, a ball at Von Hagen and the Perry's pizzas in the background. I think it's oh, Buzz's yeah. favorite photo, and it's yeah, pretty yeah. classic. And to think yeah, it was just the yeah. sim- simple things back then that you could play all day and then stop over there and get a piece of pizza and and a coke, and uh, it was oh, yeah. meant everything to you. There's also a place called the Poop Deck, which was right next to the, right next to Perry's Pizza, and it was kind of a, you know, it was a kind of, it was a bar bar, and it had like you know the sawdust on the ground and stuff. And I, I remember it was one year of Hermosa Open, and I was playing with Bobby Jackson, and uh, we had just we had just won our quarters, and we so Bobby and I were in the, and I think Zulich and a couple other guys, we all went into the Poop Deck, which was you know. A hundred hundred yards away, <laughs> we we see Ron kind of walking out on the strand, and we're trying to get we're trying to get Ron to come, well, to come in and have a couple of beers. With us, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know and Ron, Ron had his you know had his uh, uh, tea that he drank you know in his hand. We're trying to get him to come into the poop deck to, to have a couple of beers. You know, successful. I think he came in, but I I, I think he was playing with Tommy. And uh, Tommy came in for sure. I know that for Sean Shamal's comes in, can come in. <laughs> Ron would be kind of shy, you know, and he, he, he did, and I can't remember if he had a beer or he just sat there and, uh, you know, BS with us, but, uh, but uh, I know Tommy did. Yeah, yeah. I was, TC could, uh, just like he could put balls down, he could put beers down, I heard. <laughs> oh, God, could he? Now he's, there's another, there's another, uh, you know, there's another great guy. You know, I had the privilege of playing with Tom in one tournament. I don't know how we got, we used to get the, I don't know if anybody's ever told you, but did you, have you ever heard about the Tuesday and Wednesday phone calls? Well, I know um, from the era when I learned it in the 80s, they kind of had those deadlines and like a better player would like contact somebody that was playing with somebody because they wanted a change and then the dominoes would fall and someone would yeah. be left partnerless. So it was kind of one of those type of deals. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, back, you know, in the 70s, you know, you get a phone call. Who are you playing with this week? Who are you, play, who are you playing with this week? Who are you playing with? You know, that, exactly. The dominant. So somehow, Tom, I got together with Tom, and we went down to San Diego and, uh, and played in the Open in San Diego one year. And, uh, oh, man, what a privilege to watch my sets go to him. Because <laughs> he, he was about, if he would... I think I've told this to everybody. If you would have been playing with anybody else, you would have won the tournament. We got third, but I was horrible. And, and he was just fantastic. He, he, he was fantastic. I mean, he, and that was before everybody got him, got on him about a setting. He set me perfect. He had beautiful hands and would dig so many balls. And I mean, I just remember him one time I set him a ball and the team up the. Uh, and the other team just turned their backs on him because he didn't want to get hit. 
Incoming. <laughs> yeah, exactly what it was. I mean, if they had helmets, they would have dug themselves a trench and put a helmet on because, I mean, he was just destroying, you know. And I, and I think I told him a couple times, I said, I only played with him at one time. I don't know why we never played again, but we only played with Tommy once. And if I just felt like it was Tommy, he would have played with anybody. He would have won that tournament, you know. He was so, he was such a, he was so nice. Yeah, that's the thing about him. He, you know, he looked like an NFL linebacker, but uh, he's just like a gentle giant. You know, he's like a big Saint Bernard, and uh, just uh, so pleasant and and uh, happy, and you know, just just uh, a real good guy, man. The the few times I've gotten a chance to talk with him or meet him out at the Hall of Fame, I was just kind of blown away by uh, how down to earth and approachable he is. You know, great, uh, great. We saw here's a good one. We, we were playing a, a, a Muscle Beach A. So I was playing uh, with a guy from Santa Barbara who played on Santa Barbara team named Tim Klein. Good player. Okay. And so we we go down to Muscle Beach. And this was, you know, I moved probably the summer of 60, maybe. Okay. Somewhere around there. So we're, so we're, you know, we're all gathered around there bullshitting, you know, around the board. We see these two guys on, the, on one, on, you know, they just, we didn't know who they were. They were just called up to play their first round match. And it was Shamalas and Jim Mingus. And all of a sudden, these two guys started warming up. And they, we had never seen anybody hit the ball that hard. I mean, both of them were just crushing the ball. <laughs> and, and we made a beeline to the board to see who these guys were and if they were anywhere near us. And it was just, it was phenomenal. Those guys, I mean, I just remember two big blonde haired guys came down. And, you know, they just beat the hell out of the ball. And I think, I think they ended up getting, uh, I think, a fifth in that tournament and uh, getting their A, a rating. But uh, that was the first time I'd ever seen either one of them. And uh, we really didn't want to, we didn't want to see him again in around the in a tournament anywhere, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was always a neat story on how those guys, I mean, those are a couple Sam High high school guys, I think. Um, and, you know, with Randy Niles and that crew playing yeah. at Sereno and how they all kind of cut their teeth, getting their uh, backsides beat by Ron Ado Lang and him spinning the ball yeah. and next and all that kind of stuff and battling Von Hagen. And, and uh, but they sure, um, as uh, Lang says, uh, they Mangus learned how to get some grit and became uh, just like him, uh, a grinder that could play defense and side out and grind you into the crown and and, and uh, beat you. So must have yeah. been a what a what a great time to come up in that sport. Yeah, no, they got well, they got great competition too every day. They go to Sorrento every day and play. They got they got unbelievable competition. Whether you know whether it was you know. Ron Lang say next or whatever, but at least they got to play for eight points or whatever, seven points or whatever yeah. it was. You know, but they, they got some good competition down there. I mean, you know, that's where Greg came from. I mean, Fluger was down there, you know, and so there was a lot of really good players that all played Reno down there. Now, uh, Matt paid you another compliment here. I'm wondering if you got him a really good Christmas gift or something. But uh, <laughs> he said uh, you're a, a very talented hand setter, and you could, uh, particularly when you got on a roll, you could be a one hell of a digger. Uh, specifically, he cited uh, an example from the 76 World Championships against OB and Hooper, where you uh, literally got in OB's head and, and dug him off the court. Tell us uh, first and foremost about... Uh, 
your strong hand setting skills and then uh, let's hear about those uh, digging escapades when you uh, put OB uh, got in OB's head which not many people can do normally he and Hoop were getting in theirs yeah well it was actually OB and Marlo oh okay it was, it was OB and, and Marlo in, 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 in the 76 World Championship and they they, they had won the man half Belton that year but you know I was a I, you know I was a, I was a gutter I mean I think you know not to brag too much, but uh, I think Jimmy and our Jimmy and I had the two. We were the we had the best hands. You know, Mingus and I had really good hands, and you know we could we could set the ball really really well. Of course, again, if you're playing with Gage, you're getting perfect passes every time too. But uh, but every once in a while, you just got in that zone where you know again. I watched Lang for years getting his little fetal position and just dig balls with one hand everywhere. You know, and and uh, and. And Buzz was the same way. Buzz could one arm dig balls up, you know, everywhere. So again, you know, I'm a copycat, so I just wanted to copy those guys. But uh, but playing for third place at uh, World Championships in '76, and, I, and I'm pretty sure it was. I don't remember the score, but I, I'm sure it was very close. And uh, you know, and OB's playing the left. You know, on most left side lefties would hit cross court, and I'm playing left side, so I would just. And I played a lot of indoors, and so I could read people pretty good from from playing a lot of indoors, playing backcourt indoors. I just happened to dig them, you know, three or four times at the end of the match, and and we ended up winning, you know. And and which uh, <laughs> OB, as I as I can remember, it just he hit one, I dig him. He hit the next one even harder. <laughs> I took him and. And all, you know, and then I think he hit, then I think he hit a wall ball. You know, I think he hit one about 10 miles down the beach. He got a little frustrated. And you can hear, you can hear Mingus in the, Mingus is in the crowd going, blow another one up, bullfish, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> he started getting on OB, you know. So, so, uh, you know, it was just, you know, it just happened to be in the right place at the right time for, for a few things. But I think a lot, a lot of a lot of the good defense was because I played indoors. You know, it's because I played a lot of indoor volleyball. And you just you just kind of watched the guy's arm. You watched his approach, and you could almost you could hopefully tell where he was going to hit it. You know, you just it was just question of getting in front of it. You know, I knew where Tom Shamalis was going to hit it, but I ain't going to get in front of it. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you didn't want those glasses to get broken. No, no, but you know, it, it, you know, it was just one of those things where yeah, you, you know, everybody gets hot playing defense, but, you know, you watch, you know, you know, growing up watching Lang play defense, it was, you know, that, that was the epitome of defense was Ron Lang. I mean, he was unbelievable. And when you say the fetal position, what are you talking about? Are you talking when he would get down on his knees at a spot and just take Absolutely. it anywhere? He would get, he would get so low on his knees and have both arms stretched out. And, 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 the, and he would dig balls one-handed. And they would come up perfect, and you know, and Ron Hagen would run over and set him right on the net, set him perfectly, you know. And Lang, Lang would either hit a cut shot or, or he hit it, he hit it back down, down the line at the left-handed, left left side player. I mean, he was he was phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, he was just he was unbelievable. 
Yeah, that's what I heard. I, I remember uh, Mangus telling me a story that uh, the a defensive play that he saw as a spectator, Von Hagen and Lang were playing. He doesn't recall if it was Marine Street or Rosecrans, where uh, Lang dug an absolute bomb of a ball from somebody, except he didn't control it perfectly like he normally does. And it went up the hill into the uh, ice plant, as I believe it's called. And Von Hagen ran up that hill and uh, was able to not only get to the ball, but to set it with two hands, and he put it strong enough and clean enough into the court, and Lang cut that ball for a side out or for a point, and Mengus said it. He, from the dig to how quick Von Hagen was to not only run up into the ice plants, but also to, to set him a clean ball and then uh, Lang to convert on it, he said that was one of the most mind-blowing volleyball plays he'd ever seen in his life. And, uh, the legend continues to grow for those two. Oh, they, they, well, you know, again, we, we played them. Well, we Matt and I, this is, a, this is a, not such a good story for us, but it's a story. We played, we played, um, it had to be 71, I think. We were playing Marine Street. And, um, and I forget, either they win the winner's bracket or we won the winner's bracket. But anyway, we were playing, we were playing Lang and Von Hagen. And, uh, so they must have won the winner's bracket. So we beat them two straight. Okay. We beat them two straight. Lang's underneath the net looking like he's dead. You know, Ron's over there drinking his tea. And Matt and I are going, well, you know, this is going to be our first open win. No problem. Uh, we played 1-15. to 15. We lost 15 to the ship. Yeah, I heard that story from Von Hagen and also from Gage. Did you guys play that right away after those two games, or was there a bit of a break between them? Between the there two? There was a little, little bit of a break, but, I mean, Ron Lang is sitting over there underneath the pole looking like he was dead. <laughs> and I think I, I think I proceeded to hit 15 cut shots either out or into the net. So that was that was that was our that was our awakening. We were, we, were, we were, I think we were I think we were a bit overconfident. We didn't uh, and, and you know and lying in my hair. We're not going to let these young punks beat us, you know. And they did. Yeah, and I think you guys had beaten them soundly, like eleven three or eleven four. Just trounced yeah. them in those yeah. those first yeah. two games where you're like, "This is we got it. We're gonna we're we're gonna pummel them." Oh, yeah. And okay. uh, it, it, it was. Yeah. I mean, I have I didn't you know when you played against Ron Lang, you didn't necessarily like him, but I'll tell you, if you just hung around him. You would learn everything there is to know about volleyball, strategy, everything. He was the greatest. I mean, he, he, he lived, he lived for a time right across the street, right across the strand from Matt on 16th Street. And you go over there and, and this was after he, he had pretty much quit playing and you go over there and talk to him and you pick his brain. I mean, the guy, the guy knew everything. <laughs> the guy, I mean, I hope, I have so much respect for Ron Lang. It's, it's, um, even though he beat the hell out of me, I still, <laughs> I, I still have the utmost respect for Ron Lang. I'll tell you that right now. This concludes part one of our podcast interview with Bill M. Wally. Stay tuned as we will have part two for you shortly. If you'd like to check out more content that we have in relation to the gods and goddesses who played the sport, please check out our website, which is godstoghosts.com. That's G-O-D-S-T-O-G-H-O-S-T-S.com. And if you have any questions, comments, or recommendations for other legends, 
and significant characters in the sport throughout its history. I'd be open to hearing about that, and you can reach us at the following email. It is G-O-D-S-T-O-G-H-O-S-T-S, V is in volley, B is in ball, at gmail.com. So that's gods to ghosts, VB at gmail.com. Also, all of this content in terms of the podcast will be available on all of the directories uh, when it comes to podcasts and also on the website. So you can check us out on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts, to name a few. We look forward to sharing more content with you next week. Same place, same time, same bat channel. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.